Hello, everyone. I'm Lucretia Free, and welcome to A Neighborly Place, where we celebrate the power of the indomitable human spirit and share stories about our neighbors throughout Southern Arizona. Let's get started. We are fortunate enough to have with us today Kamiko Donahoe, who is a local resident who has her own business. She's a mom, she's a competitive shooter, she's a motorcycle racer, and she does many other things as well. Kimmy is joining us by phone today. Welcome, Kimmy, to A Neighborly Place. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're quite welcome. So uh, you found yourself here in Tucson via California. You were born in California, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, my parents are both engineers and work brought them out to Arizona. So I've been here since I was six. Oh, so you basically are a, a native then. I, I think that qualifies basically, as being yeah. Yeah, <laughs> within, within that range. So from the time that you moved here when you were six, um, I also, when I looked on your website, I noticed that you had, you shared that you had some learning disabilities, which is something that many people can relate to either themselves or someone in their family. So can you talk to me a little bit about what your experience was growing up um, with those learning disabilities and how you were able to yeah. still become an accomplished author? and a successful businesswoman and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think um, it all starts with me just being a weird kid. (laughs) Um, I was fortunate enough to have a mom that let me be who I am. Um, You know, she let me wear the kind of clothes I wanted to wear. She let me dye my hair. She encouraged, you know, being different. And I think that's what really helped me um, growing up, especially with learning disabilities. So fourth grade, I was actually diagnosed with Tourette syndrome and then overdiagnosed with a bunch of other things. But the primary one was the Tourette's. Um, I had... Um, they call them motor tics, which basically means some kind of physical twitch or something that you do, you know, very repetitively. And uh, one vocal tic, which is a sound that you make with your mouth. And it was definitely very, um, um, it was hard to concentrate in school. And of course, you know, people stare. And at the time before the diagnosis, I didn't have a name for it. So I just thought I was, you know, some weird kid. But once I had the diagnosis, I ended up basically rocking it because my, like I said, I was fortunate enough to have a, uh, my mom, you know, encourage that being different is okay. Well, I'm thinking that back in the time when you were a young child going through school, I mean, Tourette's is something that's just now being able to be understood in many ways and, and brought out to the public. So I'm trying to imagine what it must have been like for you during that time. So how did you handle the comments and the stares from other kids? How'd your mom handle that, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we really figured out what it was, we thought it was just, you know, some really bad habits. So they would, you know, uh, offer rewards if I could stop it. But when they realized that it was something, you know, even with rewards, I I would never say no to ice cream. So, (laughs) you know, the fact that I wasn't winning this ice cream, you know, they knew that something was up, you know, went to a uh, psychologist and, you know, got that diagnosis. And I think that's what, what helped um, because then we also find out that my dad went through that. And then all of a sudden it rings a bell in his head. Oh, yeah, I did that, too. And <laughs> I remember it was uh, quite an awakening for me. Well, so like many things, it's partially hereditary, I assume. That's that's what they're saying. They're saying it's, it's usually passed on from the father's side. And it's actually more common in men than women. Well, boys than girls. Right. Um you know, it's usually worse in childhood and a lot of people grow out of it. And I was fortunate enough to, I still have, you know, some symptoms. I have a, an eye twitch that, that really gets in the way sometimes, but for the most part, um, it's, it's much more controlled these days. And I was also fortunate enough that my mom, you know, didn't want to put me on any medication because that can actually make it worse for some people. So I just kind of wrote it out. Yeah. Well, that leads us to our writing it out leads me to my next point, which is going into your whole stint as a motorcycle racer. 
How did that get started? And during what time in your life was that going on? Or is it still going on now? Yeah, you're, you're going to notice a theme with the questions. You know, <laughs> how I got into things. I fell into it, um, sometimes literally, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, I, ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to ride dirt bikes or motorcycles. And that was the one thing my mom didn't want me to do because she knew that I would probably get hurt. And she's right. Um, uh, yeah. So when I was in high school, senior year, we had a project um, that was to write an essay about something that we really wanted to accomplish. And mine was about, uh, you know, getting my motorcycle license, how to buy a motorcycle. And I had it all mapped out and planned out. So for graduation, my parents bought me a, a small Ninja 250. And uh, that's how I got into street riding. And, um, you know, when we're young, dumb children, we do dumb things. And you know, riding around the street really fast was just not safe. And I had a lot of friends, you know, get hurt or worse and um, was introduced to track riding. Um, and that's where I just I fell in love with the racetrack. And uh, another female rider came up to me one day and said, hey, you're kind of good. You might want to think about racing and uh, started doing that and fell in love with it. And um, in 2014, I had a pretty bad crash and hit my head, had a concussion. And that's when I kind of decided, you know, maybe it's not worth it. And that's when I found my next hobby. Time to move on to something else, right? Yeah. Well, so when you exactly. were a motorcycle rider, how many women did you actually, I know you said there was the one woman that um, uh, was very encouraging to you, but how many other women mm -hmm. did you happen to run across as you were going through that phase of your life? There, it's definitely a male-dominated sport. There was definitely a, a good group of women, especially out of California. Um, they actually had some all-female track days to encourage more women to come out. And and it's great because uh, what all of us loved about it was, you know, off the track, we can mingle and laugh together. And But on the racetrack, it's definitely a different story. <laughs> it's competitive, right? Very competitive ladies. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it's really neat when you can get a shared ideas with a group of people, whether they're women or just the, the ideas what the common bond is. But when you have other people that you can talk to about something that you're interested in and feel a sense of camaraderie with others around that, that's pretty cool. So when you moved from um, California, I know this was just a few years ago when you were doing the uh, motorcycle racing where you stopped that, then you moved into competitive shooting or did the competitive shooting overlap the racing? After my crash, I ended up selling my motorcycle to purchase firearms, actually. So I was just uh, surfing channels and I came across, uh, I believe, the Sportsman's Channel and saw several women competing in three gun, which is where they use the pistol, rifle, and shotgun. And I saw that and said, I want to do that. Knew nothing about it. Uh, sold my bike, bought a bunch of guns and went to the range and asked, asked for some help and pointers and that's how I got into it. Yeah, I, I enjoy going to the range on a Saturday or Sunday myself and shooting, but I'm by no means a competitive shooter or a three-gun shooter. So let's talk about that a little bit more. So it involves using three different types of firearms. And what are they again? Pistol, rifle, and a shotgun. Okay, and you go through a course of sorts? Yes, yeah. So um, right now I'm actually focused more on pistol shooting. Uh, that was because when I started three-gun, I was you know brand new to the sport, and it's, that's three different uh, firearms that you have to learn to shoot and reload and, you know, manipulate through a timed course of fire. So even with the pistol, all of the uh, stages, they're different. There's, you know, different kinds of targets that you have to shoot. And there's different disciplines too, so different roles depending on which, which kind you're doing. Okay, but now you're saying you're just keyed in on one particular type, so you don't, you're not mm -hmm. doing three-gun anymore, is that right? Not right now, because, because of life, yeah. <laughs> because of work and other things. And 
figured I'd, I'd focus on uh, on pistol because at that point it was my weakest my weakest link. You know, one of my biggest areas of improvement in uh, firearms. So I, I chose the pistol, and um, there's a lot of different disciplines with pistol that we can get into as well. Well, and I know I've seen you a couple of times actually on the course when you're at the range shooting, and there's literally someone standing beside you with a timer. That yes, is, it's a shot timer. So yeah. it picks up each shot, and it basically it, uh, it times you from your when the buzzer goes off to your last shot. And so is that's the number to beat, is it? Yes. Yeah, so you're against um, different competitors. So they they score everyone. It's different in each discipline, but there's an overall score where you're against everybody, no matter what kind of gun, no matter if you're male or female, you know, how many rounds you can fit in your magazine. So it's the overall scoring. And then there's different divisions. So that's based on pistol you're shooting. There's also different classes. So they do have a ladies class. They have a, a youth class for the everyone under 18 and then also the senior division for the older folks. So how much training is involved in you being able to do this? <laughs> um, well, definitely as I first got started, it was it was a lot. I was, I was shooting every weekend, um, trying to get to the range, you know, in the middle of the week as well. Um, but that was before I started my own business. So I had a little bit, of, you know, more time to play around with. Now I've been doing it for almost four years. So my practices are, you know, more spread apart. They're more efficient these days. To be the best, you definitely you know, need to be practicing. So is it like a couple of times a week or once a week or more than a couple of times a week? At the moment, it's not much. I would say maybe twice a month. It's very rare this year, but I do have a big match coming up in a month. So probably here um, at the end of this week, I'm going to start wrapping up and getting ready for that. So I'm going to be shooting this weekend. And then um, dry firing, which is what a lot of shooters do when they can't get out to the range. Um, basically, you're you're manipulating your firearm, you know, w- without any ammunition in it. And you can kind of practice that anywhere, right? Because you've cleared the weapon. Exactly. When you are uh, thinking about doing competitive shooting, when you when you started doing your competitive shooting, there are awards that are given, right? There's the, it's competitive, so you win placements in whatever the competition is. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your placement results. Yeah. Um, so I shoot different disciplines. There's one called IEPA, it's International Defensive Pistol. Um, that one, if you watch my videos, that's the one where I'm wearing a vest, or they call it concealment. Um, that one has different roles. And I really enjoy that one. And, and most recently in uh, January, the match that I shot, I placed high lady, which means I was the top woman. And I was third place in my division. Well, congratulations on that. That's incredible. <laughs> Thank you. It, it felt really good because I, you know, I, I practiced at the last minute and just tried to, you know, be efficient with my practices and went into it without any expectations. And I actually think that that helped because I didn't have as much pressure on myself that time. In order for you to sign, you sign up for these competitions and then you have your results. And then is there kind of like an Olympic style event at the end of every year where the best of the best compete or is it just normal competition throughout the year? Yeah. And it depends on, on which league or discipline you're looking at. There's, there's some that every three years they have the world shoot. That's that's basically like the Olympics of shooting. Uh, it happens every three years in different different countries. That one's definitely the best of the best. You have to qualify to get into that one. There are different nationals events. Those it's it's usually uh, you can get a slot. You know if you did well, or you can get a sponsored slot. But a lot of you know different uh, classifications can get into those, um, and that happens every year. And there's different nationals events for each discipline. So there can be several going on. Sometimes in the same month, so it can get a little crazy. 
So how long does it take you to complete one of those courses that got you the highest honor that you got recently when you competed? Yeah. So so again, those are all different too. They vary. Sometimes it's a, a one-day event where they just smash 10 to 15 stages in one day. Some of them can take up to a week. Like the, the world shoot, they spread it a, along, um, I believe, four or five days and you shoot a lot more stages on things like that. As far that. as your re- winning results though, is there like a time to complete the course? I have no idea, like five minutes, 10 oh, seconds. Yeah, what is no, it? Not, not in the disciplines okay. that I shoot. There's there's definitely some shooting disciplines that there is a, a time to beat because all the stages are the same every time and everyone shoots the same course of fire. There's a, it's called steel challenge. And with those are the same stages that are set up all the time. So there's, there's a uh, small time to beat for sure. So with what you do though. Yeah. It var- there's so many variables that it's just based on whatever that stage is that day for that match. And it's all about accuracy Whoever's the fast. at that point. It's about how close you are to the and target speed. As- and speed. Okay. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Well, well, that's pretty cool stuff there. Um, I wanted to also sort of move away from the shooting thing just for a second. But before I do, I wanted to ask you, you had mentioned people being able to look at your videos. Where would somebody find your videos if they wanted to kind of check you out on YouTube? Yeah, probably the best place to go would be my Instagram, just Kimmy, K-I-M-I Donahue, D-O-N-A-H-U on Instagram. And I have some shooting videos, motorcycle stuff. And basically, it's I just share my life on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you for for uh, telling us about that. In addition to those exciting sports that you're involved in, you're also you're a mom. You're a mom to a beautiful little girl, and I know she is the light and the priority of your life. And so, how do you yes. balance these activities? Owning your own business, doing the competitive shooting. Yeah, that's a great question. It's definitely taken. Uh, so she'll be 11 years old this year, and it's taken me probably this long to really figure out that um, I call it a blend rather than a balance because I think there's no way we can ever balance life. Everything blends together. And uh, with, you know, growing up, excuse me, when she was younger, I was a single mom and it was really hard to, you know, watch her grow up. It was, she was at the babysitter all the time. So now that she's, you know, getting older, I've made it a priority to to be present in the moment because, you know, and any working parent goes through this. You're at work all day. They're at school all day. You know, when you come home, you do, you want to just chill out and relax. But, you know, that that's the time that you have to spend. And I've learned that you know, time's not something you can just buy back. So I'm basically, I made a promise with my daughter is, you know, support me. And, you know, I'm, I'm busy. I'm building a business and I like to do cool stuff, but I, I bring her with me a lot to the range. So she's, she's involved and she helps take targets. Once she's old enough, it sounds like she's interested in doing that as well. But I, I just got her into tennis. So she's, she's got her own sport now and we're supporting that. We like to do mommy daughter dates, you know, whether even quick, you know, go get ice cream or something like that. Right. Well, I've been to the range with you and and she was with you. I mean, she loved it. She was yeah. <laughs> your biggest fan, right? Sometimes she does. Yeah. Sometimes she's over it and wants to go home, but yeah. Well, she is a normal child, right? With all the... Yes, exactly. <laughs> with all that comes with being a normal, active child. Sometimes I'm there and I'm over it too. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's neat that you're getting into tennis. Tennis is my sport. I'm fanatical about it. I just love it. It's uh, something that you can do from her age to into your seventies. There are people that I play with uh, that are well into their seventies and eighties and they're still doing it there as well. When I was looking at your website, you have a website that is kamikodonahoe.net and one of the things I love about your website is yes. that it's so encouraging and um, empowering 
it's interesting and it's entertaining as well. Um, sharing your, your story. And then also you have sometimes guest writers. And there was one guest writer that was on there that I was looking at his article this morning. And you really talk about the real challenges that anyone faces, women, but it could be applied to anybody, actually, um, as far as setting goals and being fearful of success and being intentional about how we set goals. So I just wanted you to talk a little bit about what drove you to start this website. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I, I've i always loved writing ever since I was little. You know, I was in journalism and, and uh, creative writing and things like that. But a lot of these I mean, they stem from my own experience. Unfortunately, we live in just such a negative world. You know, you turn on the news and it's always, you know, something bad going on. And you'll notice now that we talk about it, when you talk to other people, uh, sometimes they don't even realize it, but they're very negative. A lot of people say, you know, oh, that'll never happen. You know, that's not going to work out. Or just the way they work things, it's always, well, don't do this. You know, and it comes from the way we were raised. That really becomes your affirmation too, doesn't it? People don't realize that when you say that, that then becomes what you believe because that's what you put out there in the universe. Exactly. Yeah. And you start hearing it enough. You do. You start believing it yourself. And, and, you know, I found myself saying that to myself and I had to really, really change that. So I figured if I can write it down, read it out loud, you know, speak it out to the world that, you know, I'll start believing that as well. And, and that's, that's what a lot of those, those blog posts are about is, is my routines, you know, how I kind of, you know, we all get little funks, you know, we get down on ourselves. And you know, that's, of course, yes. That's why I wrote those was to get out of that, you know, and, and also really learned a lot about myself. And, and that for some reason, somewhere deep down in my subconscious, I didn't believe that I deserved certain things, you know, whether it was success, whether it was winning, um, you know, who knows where that came from. But you know, that was one of the things I really wanted to change about myself. And that started just writing. And I knew that other people um, go through that too. And and a lot of times they don't even realize that that's what's holding them back. It really is a human condition. We all go through it. And the thing that touched me when I was reading through, uh, well, a lot lot of it touched me, but particularly that fear of success. I don't know if you're Mm -hmm. familiar with that quote from Marianne Williamson, where she says, our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. And so Mm -hmm. many times when we're not successful, we think that um, we're afraid of failing when oftentimes it's the reverse, where we're afraid of being successful. What happens if this actually works? Then what? You know, (laughs) then who am I? Then what does it look like? And so you really address that straight on with your... um, uh, fear, of, you know, you had an article about fear of success and uh, sort of how you, you have addressed it too, because I know when I started uh, this, my business, uh, the community newspaper at Unveil, I was paralyzed before I was able to make the decision to do that. And I think there are probably a lot of people who have good ideas, but then you just get frozen because you're afraid of what would happen if either you're fearful or successful at it. And so how did you personally overcome your fears of success? And, you know, it's something that I still battle with. Um, yeah. Yep. And it's, you know, you hear that quote, you surround yourself with, or excuse me, the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. And it's, you know, surrounding yourself with people that encourage you, that are positive, um, and also have a coach for everything. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't help or it doesn't hurt to, you know, have somebody that, you know, is really good in whatever that industry is or in that field. Um, you know, so if you want to lose weight, 
you hire a coach for that. If you want, you know, to do better in your business, there's different parts of that that you might hire a coach for. So I, I have a lot of people that I lean on, you know, for those kinds of things. And that really helps push me. And I, I hope yeah. that I'm that type of person for other people as well that, that lean on me for things. Absolutely. Well, that's the key. And it's surrounding yourself with like-minded people who also want to be successful. And um, too many times, I think, we can surround ourselves with people who are negative and not encouraging. Yeah. And sometimes we don't even realize that. And, and that's, right. that's kind of what hit me is, is you know, was, was just that, you know, someone could be extremely kind and you, you love this person, but there's, you know, sometimes you, you need to change your environment so that you can uh, can grow. So how have you found that you balance your time in terms of setting goals? Because uh, I haven't actually mentioned your small business. Why don't you talk to us about the small business that you have, which is an insurance company? I started uh, my own independent brokerage about two years ago. Uh, we're actually going to celebrate our two-year birthday in May. Um, and I've been in the industry for, gosh, 11, 11 years now. And wow. um, it was... That's no newbie. That's... that's yeah. Uh, that's... <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely it was scary, and it, 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 I always thought it was silly because I tell myself, you know, I'm I'm driven. I've I've been wanting to do this, and I finally just took the plunge and did it. And it it was definitely the first year was very hard. And so, well, let, let's, learned... let's pause. Let's let's pause there for a second, Kimmy, and tell me what what were some of the things that you that were challenging for you in that first year that maybe you didn't even necessarily anticipate as being challenging. Yeah, I think uh, well, two two things that really stood out to me was. I've been in the industry for so long. So when I started my company, you know, I figured I could just jump right back into the sales position because I was coming from a corporate job prior. But with that, while I took the corporate job, you know, I wasn't following up on my connections and my referral partners. So I had to, I had to rebuild, you know, from square one, basically. And of course, starting any business, you don't make money right away. So, you know, having to downsize things and having really tight budget, you know, changed a lot. Well, you made it through that, those difficult first few years and may you have continued success in your business. Thank you. Up, oh, that sound means that it's time for our final question. I sent to you uh, three questions and mm-hmm. we'll say those out loud to those who happen to be listening. The first question is, what advice would you give to your 15-year-old self? We remember back when we were 15 and we were so unsure, uncertain about everything. What advice would you give to your 15-year-old self? The second question is, what is one thing that you'd like to do that you have not yet done? And then the third and in the final question is, what is your biggest regret? And you're only going to need to answer one of those. That would just give us a little bit, a little different slice of insight into who you are. So first of all, which question did you want to take? Uh, let's take number two. Number two. So what is one thing that you'd like to do that you have not yet done? Let's hear it. I would like to start either a foundation or some kind of a a place where single moms or even single parents. So let let me open that up to single parents um, to go to for help Um, because any parent, you know, finds out the cost of childcare when they have to go to work. And I know, you know, there's, there's state assistance for that, but sometimes, you know, someone might not qualify or, you know, whatever the reason I want there to be help for them so that they can go back to work and, you know, begin a career and, and better their lives. Um, I, I want it to also be able to help people that maybe are re-entering the workforce and maybe haven't done it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe they're single now because they're widowed. Um, you know, so I want them to be able to get help with writing a resume, um, you know, getting interview clothes, you know, whatever it is, just having that help and somewhere to go to. Because 
um, you know, being in that position, a lot of people can feel really lost and, you know, uh, helpless, you know, not knowing where, where to go next. Um, you know, and a lot of people do have, you know, some pride. They don't want to go to the state for assistance. I've actually, I've seen some people that, you know, would qualify and they didn't want to do that. Um, and, you know, and suffered and I want to be able to help people like that. Cause I, I was a single parent as well. And it, it's not easy. Me too. I was a single parent yeah. too. That sounds like yeah. a great, a great idea. And I think you've probably planted some seeds of interest out there with regard to you starting your foundation one day. That's great. Well, that concludes our time together today. I wanted to thank you, Kimmy, for coming on the show and uh, sharing your insight and your wisdom and, and, um, and your expertise in, uh, in all that you've done. So much success to you and thanks for coming on. Thank you. If you have any questions for any of our guests or if you know of someone who should be celebrated for their good community work, please email me at info at neighborlyplace.com. I'm Lucretia Free and we will meet again in a neighborly place. Thanks to Andrea and Kelly Walker for allowing us to record our podcast here at the cozy and comfortable Viva Coffee House in Reader Ranch. And special thanks to our podcast master, Robert Nimitz. <laughs>